Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Blue Collar Real Estate. I'm Greg Mayo. And I'm Ryan Herget. I'm excited to dive into some fun episode this uh, this week. We've got to, we're going to be talking about some cool real estate buyers this week and some stories that go along with it. But before we do that, what's up, Greg? Well, uh, you know, before we get into the buyers, we got to talk about today's sponsor. Oh, boy. Who came on board this week? This week, I'm so excited to announce we have Lenny's Soup Truck and Septic Cleanout Service. Oh, uh, well, those are that's a great combination, don't you think? Where they promise... <laughs> Not to fill your bowl from the wrong tube. <laughs> it's a uh, promise. It only happens once or twice a year. Yeah, so, and, and details, you know, right? with enough sour cream and crackers, you don't know the difference. Ah, details, details. So I'm excited about today. We've had a fun, fun week. So working with buyers is something that I started my real estate career doing almost 20 years ago now, and I, I was a buyer's agent when I first started, and it was something that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, there's challenges that come with that as well as sure. anything you do in life, right? But uh, but I really enjoy working with buyers, and I had an opportunity to learn from some really cool people, people that had worked with buyers at a very high level, understood their needs, understood how to understand what they want, what they need, and then find the right opportunity for them. And that role has evolved a lot since I got into this business in 2001. Oh, yeah, I bet. Because this little thing called Zillow came out like like 10 years, 13 years ago now, and it changed everything, right? So I kind of wanted to just talk through this episode. You and I have been dealing with this a lot and just kind of walk through what the hell are you getting yourself into if you decide that you want to buy a house this spring. Yeah. We're getting ready to go into the busiest real estate season. Quite frankly, it's already started. You know, the spring selling season, at least here in central Indiana, that is the the busiest time of the year for everybody by far. And we kind of want to just let people know what to expect. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And that's it, it, perfect timing, right? right. And, and you and I have talked about this before. It doesn't matter if you sold or bought a house before. Not Maybe you bought one five or seven years ago. Even, even in that period of time, things have changed. Tremendously. Yep. And I learned last night, I did a showing um, for a couple of first-time buyers, mm-hmm. first time I ever met them. You know, we went and looked at a house. After we looked at the house, we sat in the front room of the house we were showing for probably 20 minutes, just walking them through the process. Right. There's a lot to it. And to me, when I bought my first house, a lot of that wasn't shared. So it was right. new information every time something came up, and it drove me out of my mind. Right, because who – I mean, let's just call a spade a spade here. I mean, when you're buying something that you've never bought before, and then you have people asking you to spend money that you weren't prepared for, that leads to getting pissed off and frustrated really fast, okay. right? And that is the experience that so many people, unfortunately, have is 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 they're getting asked to write checks for appraisals and inspections that they weren't planning on, or, or they close on their house, and their friend's like, yeah, we have a really high rate on. Well, my agent never told me to check for things like that. So it's just – it's the whole picture, right? Because when you do something like buy a house, number one, it's expensive relative to most everything else that you buy. Right. It's infrequent, right? And you're not doing it every day. And it's highly, highly emotional. So you combine those three factors, you've got a crazy storm of things that you're working through. And our role as a real estate agent has really evolved from being the person who has to find the house for somebody to now we just help manage that entire process. Right. That's really what our job is, is helping manage the relationships, manage the, you know, the, the you know, connecting with the seller's agent if you're helping a buyer out or dealing with the home inspector. Or I was on a roof yesterday, you know, helping make sure that we get through an, an inspection for something that we didn't plan on happening. And that's really what the role of a real estate agent is. And that's what we do to help navigate our clients through the process to make sure that they have an enjoyable experience so that way, when, once we're done, they want to tell our friends and we go have a beverage or two, right? right? So that's my goal. And, it, it, you know, it also, um, 
don't forget the role of therapist and sometimes marriage counselor. Ah, that's part of it sometimes, part of it. I am not licensed to do that, but uh, I'm getting better every day. <laughs> <laughs> Nor am I, and I'll tell you what, when I was in the bar business, I thought I was a therapist then. Nah, it's much more when somebody's buying a house. There's just a lot going on, and I respect that. I just recently bought another house myself, and I mean, just going through the process, it's it's actually kind of good to do that every few years and buy another house yourself just to stay fresh on what the heck's required and what yeah. lenders are requiring now, and just the you know the emotional pull that you experience when you've got everything packed up, and then all of a sudden you're delayed a couple of days because something happened. Right. And those are the things we do our very best to hedge off and, you know, navigating people through this. But let's kind of start at the beginning. You mentioned that when you were showing a house the other day, you guys sat down for about 20 minutes afterwards and just kind of talked through A to Z. What are we getting ourselves into? Right. Right. And I call that a buyer's presentation, put whatever label on. I normally just sit down with somebody and I want to have that A to Z conversation. You know, I, I love that about Amazon, the A to Z. Well, that's kind of what we do as well, is we help navigate the entire process of starting to buy a home. And that starts when you pull this thing out of your phone. For those of you watching here, you hop on Zillow or Realtor.com, whatever app you happen to be using, and you start looking at homes. You know, the National Association of Realtors says that the average person starts looking at homes on Zillow or Trulia or whatever phone app you're using almost 18 months before they're ready to even move. Right. That's just a lot of window shopping, right? And so it's an entire process of helping, helping those buyers narrow it down to ultimately find the right home with as little stress as possible and making the experience as enjoyable as possible for them. So that way they know what's happening every step of the way. So let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about first steps. So really one of the first things that I always like to share with people as far as what my role as a real estate agent is for them. You know, I always tell people, you have access to truly every piece of information that I do. As you'll get to see here in just a few minutes, I get to sort and filter that in a couple ways that you don't get to, which is a really cool exercise to run people through to help set expectations day one, right? But they have access to everything. So they don't need me necessarily to help find a house. What they need me for is to help understand what's my budget, okay? Where do we want to be location-wise? And then lastly, what's most important to us when we're looking for a home? And then taking those three things, you know, location, budget, and style, Mm -hmm. and really condensing that down into what's best for them based on what they're telling me, right? Everybody wants the... 6,000 square foot house with a pool in the backyard on two acres, and they want to pay $250,000 for it, right? (laughs) I want that. That's what I want too, but that's not how it works. So we have to just kind of start narrowing down, understand those expectations, prioritize those three things, location, budget, and style, prioritize those. And then after that, we can just get to work, okay? And one of those first steps in getting to work is simply understanding what happens once you do find that perfect house, right? I was working with a client. Actually, we we just met with them yesterday, and this is so rare. But most people right now, maybe they're they're nervous to, maybe they just don't want to, maybe somebody's told them, they, oh, you don't have to wait to do, you know, you can wait to do that. But that's talking to somebody about your financial options, right? Right. Because how many times have you helped somebody and they just don't want to take that step until they find the right house? And you hear the words out of their mouth, oh, yeah, it'll be okay. Well, yeah, we'll take that step as soon as we find the right house, right? How many times do you hear that? Oh, it, all the time. And the thing is, I, I just had this conversation with a new lead that mm-hmm. I got off of one of the websites mm-hmm. um, that called me. We just had this conversation. Um, I talked about what she was looking for, and I said, have you talked to a lender yet? 
No, I'm going to wait till I find a house. Mm-hmm. In, in today's market, we don't have time for that. And we're going to show you why you don't have time for that in just a second. It's not that we don't want to show you a house just because you haven't talked to a lender. I'm more than happy to show you a couple yeah, of houses. Exactly. Just to, let's build the relationship. Let's figure out what you like, what you don't like. But ultimately, if you're serious about buying a house, that's something you have to do. And I'm going to show you exactly why here in just a few minutes. And and the other thing about that, showing somebody a house or two in the first, it, you talk about building a relationship. It's also, let's meet in person. Absolutely. You are not going to get a true sense of me or who I am or me, you, if we're just texting or talking on the phone. I agree with that completely. And you know, because real estate is expensive, emotional, and infrequent, you have to find trusted advisors that you can lean on. Right. You have to find a team of people, whether it's me or you or anybody else, but you have to find, if you're not paying cash, a lender. Okay, you have to find an inspector that you can trust. Okay, We don't really have control over the appraiser, but there's going to be that person involved in this process as well. And you have to be able to lean on me because if we're not going to have a relationship of trust, then quite frankly, you need to find somebody else that's going to be able to do that for you because right. it's everything in this business. If you can't trust the professionals around you, you're going to have a bad time. Yep, simply. absolutely. Or you're going to spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, I said that five times, I think, because you're going to have yep. to learn all of this yourself. And how can you learn what... People have been doing years and years and years, and I've helped over 500 people do this. Man, there's just a learning learning experience every single time. So let's start at the very beginning here. Okay, We just talked about the importance of maybe talking to a lender to understand what your financial options are. We'll talk more about that in a second. But I always like to tell people, you know, when you're trying to find a real estate agent, how do you find the right one? Because most people, even still to this day, they find a house that they like on Zillow or Realtor.com, whatever app you're using. They can call the agent that has their sign in the yard there, or maybe they're still doing it old school, and they go drive around, and they see a house that looks awesome, and they call the, the, uh, the agent with their sign in the yard. Here's what's crazy about that. Okay? When you put a sign in the yard, nobody knows this, but when you put a sign in a yard, that means that there's a contractual document that's been signed that says that real estate agent with their sign in the yard has signed a contractual document with the seller of that home to do two simple things. Number one is help them get as much money for that house as they possibly can. And number two is to represent their interest, which simply means help them get as much money and make sure that everything known throughout navigating that process is in that seller's benefit. So my question is simple. How the hell are they going to do that for you, Mr. Buyer, Mrs. Buyer, when they're already doing that for the seller? Kind of hard to have the best interest of two people in the same situation, right? So that's where I come in. I'm a buyer's agent. And here's the cool part is it doesn't cost you a dime in most states to have a buyer's agent represent you. In some states, I know laws are different here in central Indiana. It's the case because part of that agreement when an agent puts their sign in the yard is to pay a real estate commission. Okay. And that commission is going to get paid whether they have one person representing everybody or two people involved, right. aka a buyer's agent. So it doesn't cost you a dime for that simple step. But reverse back for just a second. You're a buyer's agent. How many buyers have you had, first-time home buyers, that have asked you at some point early on, now, so how do I pay you? Absolutely. Most do. Most do. And that's why I want to bring this up early on because I believe in absolute transparency when I'm doing business with people. I want them to know everything that I do so that way there's nothing going on behind the curtain and they're never wondering, can I trust this dude or what's he actually up to? I'm just, here's everything. And that's why I'm going to show you some of the tools I use that only real estate agents have access to when I'm helping a buyer get educated on what needs to happen next. Who who are you calling a tool? Right. Um, (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So, all right. So we, I'm a buyer. I found a house. We want to write an offer. Okay. So the first thing we need to understand before we write an offer on a house is how are we going to pay for it, right? Okay. You're going to have 30 to 45 days, generally speaking, to 
find the house, get it under contract, do all of your inspections, have your appraisal done. We'll talk all about that more here in just a second. You'll have about 30 to 45 days to do that, but they're simply going to want to know how you're going to pay for it. So you've got to have a loan in place. And we won't do a deep dive into financing. We're going to cover that in a, in a future show. But simply put, you need to talk to a lender and you need to know what your options are. If you're a first-time buyer, do you qualify for a no-money-down loan or a grant program? Okay. Are you looking for a, a lower down payment or do you have a good nest egg put aside? Do you want to avoid paying private mortgage insurance or are you okay having private mortgage So there's all these questions yeah. and, and, and I guarantee you most buyers aren't familiar with those terms, which is why they need to educate themselves. Because if you have a 720 credit score, you can get a hell of a lot better deal than if you have a 620 credit score, right? And that's why when we talk about assembling a team, the lender is a big part of that team. Critical piece. Because they will do a better job than you and I, you or I would on educating them on what their options are, what makes the best financial sense, both now and down the road, like PMI. Yeah. Um, which get, may get them into a house today, but then do they have a – does the lender have a plan – for you for 12 months, 18 months down the road to work into getting that off. Absolutely. No, and, and and that's pivotal, especially since we've been in such a strong real estate market where home values are going up, and you can oftentimes get that PMI out of your payment more quickly. And if you're listening to this or watching this on uh, online, you may not be familiar with what that is. Reach out to Greg or I. will be happy to kind of help navigate and answer some of those technical questions. But it's everything. You know, the difference in, in just simply what I'm working on right now, gentleman's looking at $185,000 house, and the difference with a loan with with a conventional loan with 5% down versus an FHA loan with 3.5% down, he's actually saving $120 a month with this conventional loan. Yeah. Okay. Same buyer, same situation, doesn't have a different job, but because we looked at all of our options, this one was the best for him. Okay. And we all were also, because of the strength of his credit, able to get the mortgage insurance off, only putting 5% down. But those are the things you don't know if you don't take the time and do your due diligence, and if you do what your client was just saying, oh, we'll wait till we find it, well, then you're just taking the best thing somebody gives you at the time. You're not worried about taking your time to shop and find right. the best deal. No, it's all about being prepared. So that's something we can start doing way early into the process, and those approvals are good for 90 uh, I'm sorry, 90 days to six months. So that's step one, is you have to know what your options are for how am I going to pay for this house. And again, we're going to tie that back in here towards the end of the show and show why that's so important. Right on. So we've talked about how we're going to pay for it. Go ahead. <laughs> I was watching the lights. <laughs> I love doing that. Um, for people listening on a podcast format or, format or iHeart, they have no idea, that, but yeah, we got YouTubers. like five camera angles here. We're a professional studio, thanks to Jason here, um, and he's a professional, and yet he puts up with us. I don't, I don't know why it. either. I don't get it, but but so, so we've got the we, we've got the financing in place. Yep, we know what our options are. We find a house. We want to write an offer. Okay, so at that step, once we find the house, now we have to you know determine. Okay, what are we going to be able to lock this thing up for? What are we going to be able to pay for this house in order to get it accepted? Okay, if you bought a house back in say two thousand nine, and that was just ten years ago now, right? Just a touch over ten years ago now. Okay, if you bought a house ten years ago, you were going to have a dramatically different buying experience if you were wanting to get into the market today. Oh yeah. Okay. And the reason I say that is because, and I and I show people all these numbers for the sake of time in this episode. I'm not going to go back and show that right now. If you again want to see it, reach out to me. I will walk you through this exercise. But if we go back to 2009, and let's say we're looking for a home in Greenwood, Indiana, on the south side, you know, south side suburb, right? Yeah, you're going to find that the average house was sitting on the market for 120 plus days. Yeah. I'm like, well, who cares? What what difference does that make? 
Well, if you're buying a house and the average house sits on the market for 120 days, here's what that means to you. You have time to take mom and dad back out there. You have the time to take your contractor out there. You have time to go visit that house two or three times before you're forced to make a decision. Guess what the average days on market is for a home in Greenwood right now? Seven. It's like 31, right? So you have no time to do it. Well, in some price points, it is. I mean, if you're looking sub 150, it is. It's like nine days on market. It's it's insanity. But if the average days on market is 31, guess what you don't get to do? Go in and write an offer for 20,000 under asking price, right? Right. (laughs) Because there's other people that are looking for that exact same house. That's why values go up. It's high school economics. And and you have to be creative as a buyer's agent. Uh, One of my listings in a suburb of Indy, Mm -hmm. I'll just say, um, we put that thing on the market at one o'clock. By eight o'clock that evening, we had had nine showings and had five offers. Right. And so if you had previously bought a house in 2009, and then now all of a sudden your real estate agent's calling you four hours after you wrote an offer saying, hey, they've got eight offers, and do you want to write an offer for more than asking price? You're going to look at that person crazy, right? Right. You're going to think, what the hell? So that's why showing people what we're going to show them here in a few minutes, I keep alluding to that, but it's so important because until you anchor an expectation up front, how do you think that person is going to feel if they start losing out on offers, right? They're going to get frustrated. They're going to get pissed off. Well, and think about this, too. This hit me last night. A lot of first-time buyers right now, 10 years ago when you're talking about, even seven years ago when we bought our house, um, which had been on the market for a while, and now in our neighborhood, they go up and yeah. go down. But a lot of the young buyers who are in their mid-20s, late-20s. When the market was like that, when you could wait forever to buy a house, they were kids. Mm-hmm. In high school, they're, and I don't mean that in a condescending way, that just they were, their parents were the ones dealing with that. So yep. a lot of times you have a parent say, oh, well, uh, you don't want to, you know, buy that for 150. You need to offer them 130 because mm-hmm. that's what their memory was. Without a doubt. And that's what, and, and Jason, if you don't mind, let's switch over to the computer here real quick. This is that exercise Ooh. that I keep talking about. And again, if uh, you've been listening to the show for a while, you uh, probably know that I geek out on numbers and statistics <laughs> and all this stuff. But I believe that they help tell a story, which is why I think they're so cool, is because you can take a look at what's happened and what's going on, and you can make decisions based on the data that you're seeing. And so let's do that, just that. So I'm going to pretend that we're working with a buyer. Actually, I'm working with this client as soon as we're done here. So that's why this is fresh in my mind. But before before I take you out, Greg, and I start showing you homes and we find that perfect home, I'm going to take you through this exercise. I'm going to say, all right, Greg, cool. You told me that you're – and I'm going to make up a scenario here real quick. Right but, on. but let's say you're looking for a home. You just need a three-bed, two-bath home and your budget's 200000 and you and it could be in, anywhere in Greenwood, Indiana. We'll use that as another example. Okay. Right? Okay. So you're just looking for a basic three-bed, two-bath. You're not too picky. Okay. You want something nice that you can move into and not have to do a whole lot of work, right? That's what most people are right. looking for, it seems like. But what do you call that? An HGTV house. An HGTV house. That's my uh, that's my term on those. So they yeah. are not sponsors of the show yet. Sorry. <laughs> so what we're going to look at here on the screen, and if you're looking here, I'm going to kind of use my mouse to highlight this. But we're, instead of seeing, hey, what's on the market right now, this is where I'm going to, again, pull that curtain back on real estate and show you what's actually going on. I always ask people, would it be helpful to know before we have to write an offer, what are other people paying for the house that you want to buy? What kind of a deal are they getting? Yeah, that's how exactly. Much, how much time do they have to make a decision? And lastly, how many people are they competing with to buy that exact same house? So let's explore that real quick. So let's look in Greenwood. So And we're going to go back 180 days or six months. And we're just simply going to type in Greenwood. And for those of you watching here, this is the Real Estate MLS. 
This is the tool. If you want to use this tool, become a real estate agent. It's awesome. And we're going to look at just homes that have sold in Greenwood in the last six months. So we can scroll down here real quick, and we can see that 778 people have bought a home in Greenwood in the last six months. Fair? Now, let's hone that in because our budget's budget's only 200,000, right? Right. So I'm going to put in only those homes that have come up under $200,000. So we went from high 70s to low threes. So 336 people have bought a home under that price point, basic, basic components there. So I'm going to hit results, but here's here's the magic in this. Here's what I think we're going to see is I have to tell them this before I show them this. Okay, And I think what we're going to see, Greg, is we're going to see many, many examples of people that paid more than the asking price for their house. Yep, I agree. Why do you think somebody would pay more than asking price for a house? And this is the conversation I want to have before I show them the results. Yeah. Okay, because this is the conversation that needs. This is that hard conversation, right? That nobody wants to have for fear that you're going to frustrate a buyer or piss a buyer off. But if you don't have it, I you're going to frustrate you, a buyer. <laughs> they're going to be frustrated and pissed off. So, but here's what I think we're going to see: is that the average home is on the market for 30 days. Okay, and what that means is, according to the Federal Reserve, okay, anytime an average home is on the market for 90 days or less, that's determined to be a seller's market, meaning there is way more people that want to buy a house than there is inventory to choose from, which is why things sell fast and prices go up. Again, high school economics, I paid attention for the first semester. Okay? <laughs> and then I think the other thing we're going to see is that the average client, they are only buying the house at a, at a, at a 1% to maximum 2% discount. What's that mean? Well, if it's a $200,000 house, 1% would be $2,000 off, 2% off would be $4,000 off. So that means they're paying somewhere around 196 to 198,000 for that house. That is not $20,000 off asking price, right? right? Like some people think. But let's discover together, okay? Again, what the reality is. So I'm going to hit results here, and out of 336 homes, here's what we're going to look at. I'm going to scroll all the way to the bottom. I'm going to hit statistics here. Okay? And again, I'm showing this to a buyer up front. Here, here it is. The average house right here is hitting the market at 153.9, and that average house is selling at 151.4. And what did I say? At a 1.74% yep. discount, and it's actually faster than I thought. The average house is in 18 days. How insane is that? That's absolutely nuts. And here's what that means to you. So out of these 336 homes, and again, I'm showing a client all of this live, so that way they know I'm not manipulating the data. I'm just being transparent, out of those 300 homes, notice this days on market category right here. D-O-M stands for days on market. I have to scroll down to find a house that sat on the market a week. Half of those homes were only on the market a week. Half of them. 185 of the 336 were on the market for less than seven days, with many of them selling the first day on the market at many of them for more than asking price. Here's one at 169 that sold for 172. Okay, so example after example after example of home selling at full price or possibly above. Mm-hmm. Well, if I show you this before we start, now I'm kind of switching out of realtor mode here, right? If I show you this before we start, you can't argue with me the fact that this is what's going on, right? Right. But if I come showing you this data afterwards, well, then it's like, well, you have to entertain and deal with all of the, well, my dad said, or well, somebody said, but you can't argue with facts, right? And that's why I just want to be transparent and real. And I want to show people what's going on. So that way they know before we get started. 
Yeah, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with going all Ben Shapiro on somebody and saying facts don't care about your feelings, right? Well, it's unfortunately um, the truth when you're when you're competing with other people. And let's take that one step further here, and then we'll get off the screen. We'll wrap this show up here. But I want to show people that exact same thing as far as how many people they're going to be competing with for that house as well. What's cool about that, you're like, how the hell would I do that? Well, thankfully, because we're real estate agents, we have all these cool tools available to us. And one of those tools is our showing time showing center. Well, Every showing that happens gets scheduled through this one website. At least I'm going to say 98% of them. There's some real estate agents that don't want to pay $35 a month for the service. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, we won't get into that. Let's go back. And now let's just look at those homes that came on the market and how many people were looking for homes between $100,000 and $200,000. Again, let's put in Greenwood, Indiana. Okay, so $100,000 to $200,000 in the last week. So let's go back. It's February 7th today. So let's go back one week and hit submit. We can see here that in the last week, there have been, what is that? I'm bad at math, 86 people look at home. So you're competing with 86 other people looking for the exact same thing as you are right now. I, th- I, th- I think that simply shows why homes are selling in, in a week right. or a day sometimes. In fact, it's so bad that oftentimes you have to go get off work to go look at a house or accept a real estate agent FaceTiming you through to get an offer accepted now. Yeah. That's what's insane. But that's how we do business right now in the state of the market that we're in today. So let's wrap this whole conversation up here. So we've found our house. We know that we might have to offer more money. What's going to happen next? What are some of the out-of-pocket expenses, Greg, that somebody's going to have as they navigate through the home buying process? These are huge, right? You, we, If you're an agent and you're watching this, you have to tell your client before they get to it. So the first thing is the home inspection. Yep. And there's a whole episode on home inspections and what type of additions you need. So go back and listen. I think it was episode three or four that we did, but go back and check that out. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. So I tell them figure three or 400 bucks, and then there's a la carte items to add, radon, termite, yada, yada, yada. Yep. Um, You're going to write a check for that. Yep. To the inspector. Right. 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 To the inspector. You're going to pay for the appraisal. Yep. Which is how much? About three, four hundred bucks. Yeah, in the four hundred dollar range, depending on on the lender they're using. If if you want a survey and in the purchase agreement you agreed to pay for the survey, you're gonna have to pay for that out of pocket. Yeah. Oh, and here's another big thing, and we talked about this yesterday with my new folk. Um, I don't know. Suddenly, I'm from Mississippi. Well, I talked about it with my new folk. Um, but the idea of earnest money. Yeah. First time buyers don't understand what that is, what it's for. Uh, they don't understand a lot of times that when we write that purchase agreement, we're saying when you accept this in 48 hours, I will have a check to you, the listing agent. Right. And believe it or not, I actually had a deal cancel last week because I had a client not get earnest money. And this is on one of my listings where we had multiple offers. And the second offer was actually better. Our backup offer was better than our primary offer. And when they didn't get their earnest money in on time, my seller pulled the plug and we accepted the other offer. So that's the, that's the seriousness of a real estate contract is it is a legal binding document. Right. And things like earnest money and getting it delivered on time in a competitive situation is the difference in you getting a house versus not. And so I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people aren't familiar. And you know we use the term earnest money. I don't know where, where that name came from. But nevertheless, earnest money is simply your good faith money that shows the seller or your builder that the financial earnest. commitment to buying the home. Yeah, <laughs> that you're going to put your money where your mouth is, right? And that money is applied towards your down payment later in the process. However, that is a real check that, that is going to be cashed within two days of your offer being accepted, Okay, followed by another three or 400 for your inspection, followed by another three or 400 for your appraisal. And that's just two weeks in. 
right? Right. After that, so now we're, let's call it, you know, $1,000 for earnest money is pretty typical, at least in the sub-250 price range. You get a little north of, you know, that price point here in Indianapolis. It's going to go up a little bit relative to the home value. But nevertheless, you're going to have your deposit, your inspection, your appraisal, and then you're also going to have what are called some prepaid items for your lender. So here's an example of those. Every lender is going to require that you be paid in advance one year on your homeowner's insurance for their protection and yours. Right. So they're going to require that you purchase one year's of homeowner's insurance up front, and then every month that you make your house payment, okay, there's four things that make up a house payment generally, sometimes three, but you've got your principal and interest, you've got taxes, you've got homeowner's insurance, and sometimes private mortgage insurance as well, depending on your loan program again. So I I say all that to say this. Every month that you make your house payment, you're paying for next year's insurance. Right. Okay. So you're always a year up. That way, if you go on vacation to Florida and have too good of a time and don't come home in time and forget to make a house payment, there's never going to be a potential lapse in insurance coverage. You're always one year up on your insurance. Okay. So you're going to have that. Thankfully, that's not due until the final step of closing, but you can kind of budget around a thousand, uh, $2,000 $2,000 for homeowner's insurance up front. That's going to be a real cost that has to be right. incurred. Okay, And then finally, you're going to have loan closing fees. Okay, All banks charge a fee to do a loan. Believe it or not, there's about 13 people involved in the checks and balances process of initial loan application all the way to the money getting in the bank. Right, yep. There's a ton of people involved in that process because of all the red tape and guidelines that lenders are forced to go through now. And I'm thankful for that because it was crazy. It was the Wild West before <laughs> before we had all this. So it's a good thing. But nevertheless, that's what's going to happen. And the other thing that I always, always have to remind people about is this lender is not – and I don't care which lender it is. You know, It could be a great one like Ruoff or a Fairway or somebody that you know, you've never heard of. But nevertheless, every buyer is going to experience this. And that's them tearing your financial life apart. If it's happened in your life financially, they're going to ask you about it. So don't try to hide those things. I had a client that was hiding a financial event that had happened. Well, anyway, we caught it. Well, we caught it a week before closing because this lender had not was not very experienced, didn't pull a caver's report in time. And then we found out about three weeks into the process that now she's not going to be able to buy this house. Wow. After she had spent money on an inspection, after she spent money on appraisal, after the seller did everything that we asked for the inspection because a dot, dot didn't get – you know, an I didn't get dotted, T didn't get crossed, and somebody missed something. So again, that's why it's so important to work with a great team of professionals that know what the hell they're doing and ideally do more than one loan a month. So, right. <laughs> I digress. That one's a little fresh right now. So that's, I mean, that let's kind of wrap this one up. Yep. Um, there's so much more we could talk about mm-hmm. with the buyer process, but what we shared today and really mostly Ryan has shared is that the things that you absolutely need to know, if you will, they're the big bullet points. Absolutely. And each, each of those bullet points is going to have its own deep dive in the conversation. Again, that's what Greg and I are here for. So if you have questions on that, you're a buyer or if you're a real estate agent, and you'd like to see what process we actually take people through, just reach out to us. We're more than happy to connect with you in any way that we can uh, show no- all of our contact infos on the show notes there. But uh, what else do we have for anybody else to- today, Greg, on this? Today, that's all we got. That's it. Now, next episode, we're going to talk about selling a house. We're going to flip the rules. Yep. Right. So, but for now, we're going to wrap up. Um, We're going to remind everybody to like, subscribe, share, rate, review. Oh, I saw something on YouTube. I was watching a a new contractor I watch on there. Hit the... Hit the bell. The on bell YouTube. button. The notification bell. Yeah. That's an important one. So that way you get notified when the when the latest edition of Blue Collar pops up for you. So. I don't know why I turned into Henny Youngman for a minute. I was like, hey, right there. <laughs> you better do it. All right, everybody. So for Greg Mayo, I am Ryan Herget, and this has been Blue Collar Real Estate. We appreciate everybody's time today. Thanks, everybody. Yeah.